welcome. I'm really excited for what God's going to do tonight and what he's been doing through our time of worship and what he's going to do through our extended time of worship after service, uh, after, after the message as well. And, man, I feel like he's really um, moving somewhere this semester and in our time, and I don't know if you guys feel it too, um, but yeah, I'm excited to just kind of hop on this train with him because I think that he's doing, he's going to do something, um, and, and he's on the move, and um, I'm just excited about being part of that and seeing that, and so I'm hoping that tonight and this semester as we gather together on Thursday nights and hopefully are gathering together throughout the weeks in, in, in our life groups that um, we're starting to grab hold of that vision and, and see where God's moving and, and being part of that. So for any of you guys who don't know, I'm Natalie. Most of you probably do know, but I'm um, on staff here at, uh, with DC Chi Alpha. I'm full-time at American University, and so excited to be sharing with you guys tonight. So I want to start off with a question. Um, how many of you guys during your time in college so far have pulled an all-nighter? Oh, raise hands. Okay. Okay. Um, well, no. Thanks, Taylor. Don't get to the punchline yet, Taylor. Um, okay. How many have pulled more than one all-nighter? Okay. More than one. Um, like more than five? Okay. <laughs> okay. I definitely don't want to know how many hours of sleep you guys get on a normal night. Um, I'm just not even going to ask that question. Um, Cool, okay, you can put your hands down. You guys are like all proud of it. I'm gonna tell you not to be. Um, so I pulled one all-nighter throughout all of college and um, it was dumb. It was just a dumb decision. I still remember it as a dumb decision. I only did it because my friends were doing it. They were staying all, up all night to write papers. So I kind of like, I was like, well, I do have a paper to write. I'll just pull an all-nighter with you guys in the library. And it just was dumb. Like there was no reason I needed to do it. Um, I think the most discouraging part of an all-nighter, and this was probably nine years ago now, um, I still remember the most discouraging part was sitting there on the third floor of the library and seeing the cleaning crew come in to start their day when my day had not ended. That was incredibly discouraging. And then walking home and hearing the birds chirping. You know, it was still nighttime and the birds were chirping because they were waking up for a new day. That's when I knew, like, I will never do this again. Like, it's just, I will never do this again. Um, because I love rest. I love my sleep. I love rest. It's just so much a huge part of my life. I know this is part of my personality. I need a full night of sleep um, every single night. I uh, This is not just because I'm getting old, although I feel like I'm getting old, but this was true my entire life. Um, I love having long extended times of rest and relaxation. I, I feel like I, I work hard. I do have a job and I do work, but I also love um, to rest and to have um, time for myself, time to do things that I enjoy, times um, to be alone with my thoughts. Um, I know that's kind of a crazy idea probably for all of us, but it's okay to be alone with your thoughts. Um, and I love having margin in my schedule that is not um, planned out, that doesn't have a set uh, agenda necessarily. Um, these are the times when I feel like I'm the most creative, when um, I get to just do things in the moment and enjoy myself. This is the best times relationally when there isn't a plan for my time with my friends. Um, I just love having margin. And um, I've also learned to love this concept um, for my time with Jesus. 
um, my, I talked about this before, my senior year of college, and we're going to be doing this um, and encouraging each other as a community that we do this during Lent. But I did a challenge to tithe my time, which is 10% of your day, so that's about two and a half hours, spending time with Jesus. And um, it, it really is about spending extravagant time with Jesus, and I learned how to do that in college and just learned how life-giving that can be. I've also built a habit of taking a Sabbath day. We do that as a staff, a day of rest where I'm not doing any work, and I'm filling it with things that are productive outside of work, things that are recharging for me, also including a good night of sleep and sleeping in and doing things that are fun and creative. Um, I've really learned that this habit is super important in my life. So as you can probably guess, tonight we're going to be talking about rest and Sabbath and margin as it pertains to this idea of living against the current um, or living counterculturally. Uh, scripture says, if you've grown up in the church, you probably know this. Scripture says to remember the Sabbath day by what? Keeping it holy, right? Like honor the Sabbath day. Um, it's one of the Ten Commandments. We, we probably know it if we've grown up learning about the Ten Commandments. When Jesus called his disciples um, to, to come follow him, he told them to, to basically drop everything, drop everything you're doing and come follow me. And what they did is they, they left their jobs, their families, their comfort, um, anything that was familiar, their worldly success, all of that, to come follow him because they um, believed that they were following something greater, something that was worth even more than that. And... Um, at that time, and even today, that's incredibly countercultural. It's so against the norm and against the current, um, but they believe that Jesus was worth it. And as they grew in relationship with him, they found that more and more, and they had a re relationship with him that proved that point. And it even led to them being martyred and killed for following Jesus because it was so worth it. It was worth their, their earthly lives. Um, as Blaine talked about last week, and we began this series, uh, we've been talking about, one, you know, Jesus calling us to a life that is countercultural, and then, two, the why behind it. <clears throat> why would we give up um, our own comfort and what society and the world expects of us or asks of us to follow this Jesus? And really asking ourselves, is Jesus worth it? <clears throat> and so we, we know that life with Jesus um, involves and requires us to go against the current and against what the norm is <clears throat> and everything in the world or culture, society tells us. And, and as the semester starts, our hope is that um, we can see why, the why behind we do this, but behind why we do this. And can we really ask, ask ourselves, honestly, is Jesus worth it? And if we don't know yet, it's okay right now if we're in this room and you're saying, I don't actually know if Jesus is worth it. Or I don't know if I can feel that Jesus is worth it. Um, I'm just asking, would, would we ask the question, and would we, we try to seek it and take a step um, towards finding the answer to that? So tonight I'm talking about um, specifically a lifestyle of rest or living a margined life. So a couple disclaimers when I, when I talk about a lifestyle of margin. Um, one, I, I think that margin and rest, and I'll explain kind of what I mean by margin a little bit later, but... Um, really just having open space um, and time for things that aren't planned out. Um, I think it's more than just a scheduling thing. Even though I think practically looking at our calendar and um, 
putting things on or taking things off, saying yes to something, saying no to things is, is important and that, that matters. So don't, don't, don't hear me say that that doesn't matter. We should care about our schedules. But um, I hope that really the practical steps about like looking at our calendars are just more uh, of a result of a change of motivation. Like where's our heart at? Um, if we're just doing it to do it, um, then we're missing, I think, the point of what Jesus asking. Jesus is asking of us, and like I was saying, I feel like he's, he's moving somewhere, but I don't want to just do things because we think they're the right things, but I want to do them because we know him, um, and, and we're on the same page with him. And so I think it's more a heart motivation and a heart change um, that comes out of relationship with Jesus. And then the second thing is that tonight, like I'm not here to give a practical step-by-step, here's how you implement rest in your life, um, you know, this is how you live closer to Jesus, and I hope that for really just this whole series, like this isn't meant to be a step-by-step practical, um, do this, don't do this, and if, if that's what it becomes, we're, we're again missing the point. Um, you know, you guys have enough people who are talking to you and talking at you. Um, there's plenty of resources that tell you how to live life, how to live a good life. We've got TED Talks and self-help books and blogs and videos, you know, it's endless. Uh, The resources are there. Um, That's not the purpose of our Thursday night gatherings. That's not the purpose of your life groups. Um, The purpose is to seek Jesus together in that our actions are a byproduct of a life with Jesus. You see what I'm saying? So um, tonight, I I hope that we don't miss the heart of what uh, I'm hoping to share And tonight, I just hope that we seek Jesus together. Um, And that's what I hope for for every week when we're together, is that we seek Jesus together and that he transforms our lives. Um, Our prayer is that this series encourages us to to think deeper um, about the reasons why we do what we do um, and why we live counterculturally, like Blaine talked about last week. Because, yeah, as much as we try to do this well, as much as we try to live like Jesus or try to live a good life, um, resting for the right reasons and, and this whole idea of Sabbath and margin, it, it involves heart change and transformation, and only Jesus can do that. And it's a ma- matter of what we value deep down um, in our hearts. And there are always going to be a million things that, that are going to distract us from that. Um, so unless our motives are, are, are transformed, I don't think this conversation about rest and margin and then as a result, um, intimacy with Jesus, honestly. Um, I don't think it be- can become a regular part of our lives unless it's coming from our hearts. So, yeah, that's my hope, is that our, our time tonight leads us less to bullet points in a notebook, um, as much as I, I you know, would love for you guys to jot things down or rem- to remember things, but um, that it, this is more about leading to deep moments in prayer and um, deep moments with Jesus and with a very real and personal savior that we get to interact with. So you following me? You guys with me? Cool. Um, so first I, w- I want to just talk about kind of this cultural moment we're in, just recognize the, the world around us, wh- what it's like in your world. Um, one, you guys are in college, so it's a pretty extreme environment, right? Um, th- there's this idea and this concept of well-roundedness. I've talked about this before because it's a fairly new concept and a fairly new requirement, really, for, for people who are coming to college. Like, 
you, you guys were filling out applications not too long ago for college. Like, well-rounded is like the thing that colleges are looking for. They want you to do a whole lot of things. And um, I think at the core, um, it's a great idea. You know, it, it could be really good. It creates um, knowledge about a whole lot of different areas. It helps with empathy and understanding, I think, when, when you understand other things and other people. Um, but then at the same time, we live in this very success-driven, perfectionist society, um, especially in the Northeast, especially in DC. And so I feel like this often leads to being well-rounded, but also needing to be experts in everything, needing to lead in everything, needing to be in charge of everything and do everything perfectly. Um, and this isn't a new idea either. Like I think with the age of social media at our fingertips, we live a life of comparison. And I'm not saying that social media is bad. Um, I think there's so many good things in social media and it connects us with the world. But I do think there's no surprise that it leads to comparing ourselves with um, others or with certain images of perfection or success <clears throat> and want to model our lives after something that's unattainable. <clears throat> and then we also live in this culture that really values busyness. Um, you know, if you're busy, I think it looks to us like we're more driven, we're more successful, maybe a little bit more important. It's resume building. The more things you can pack into your resume, the better. And so our culture really values busyness. <clears throat> so as I'm talking about rest, I'm not here to, to say that these things aren't true or, or aren't part of your lives. They are. Um, and I'm not trying to convince you that that's not the world you live in. It is. But I think this very directly pulls us away from the rest that God has designed for us. And so um, what I'm saying is as believers, I think we're in this crisis where we have to decide what matters most to us. Um, what has the most value? And um, tonight that, that's what I'm encouraging us to just seek and to look at. What is the thing that's the most value? Um, this doesn't mean that success and ambition or your passions and dreams aren't important or aren't from God. I think many of them do come from him, and he created those things in you. Um, but my question is, what is our motivation behind it? What drives us? Um, and then how do we make relationship with Jesus the driving force um, behind everything that we do, these passions and these dreams that we have? Um, I, I've told this story before. Um, but I came to AU 10 years ago with a plan to be a journalism major and was all set with this plan for my life. And um, someone had, had encouraged me to just hold everything, that all my passions and dreams with an open hand, not saying that God was going to take them from me, but just to, to, to give them to him, for him to be in control of. And it took me a long time to do that. And I remember so clearly sitting in a worship service and finally saying, okay, God, I will relinquish control, but um, I'd rather you not take this from me. And I had no idea that when God um, takes control of our things, if he does take a dream um, that we think is our dream, I, I, it was hard for me to believe that he would replace it with something that I actually loved more. Um, but I think it takes a step to trusting that if he's going to replace anything that's on our hearts, um, it's to replace it with something even better that we're going to love even better. It's not just that he loves it even better, but he creates that passion in us. But it t took me um, trusting that he would do that and he would be kind and he'd be good. And so, um, yeah, maybe tonight you're not at a place where you're ready to do that. Um, 
Or maybe you're okay, like, uh, compartmentalizing Jesus and uh, your ambitions and your future. Um, maybe you're not ready to give that all up right now or even the idea of handing that over if God were to ask for it. Um, what I'm just asking tonight, like I've said already, is that our hearts would just be open to, to seeking him and asking him, is he worth it? Um, I think he meets us where we're at, and I think he, when he challenges us, he does that really gently, and um, he lets us decide. And so would we just be open to going into a deeper place with him tonight as we discuss this and as we talk about this? Like I said earlier, I've just been feeling in my spirit that there's like something on the horizon that God wants to bring us into. Um, but yeah, we get the choice if we're going to reach out and, and take that and if we're going to go along with him. And so um, I just ask that we have open hearts to where he might be leading because I just think it could be somewhere really cool um, tonight, but also just for this semester and for this year. So um, can we just be open to that tonight? Um, before I, I go any further, I'm just going to stop for a moment to pray into that, um, just that our hearts would be open. So God, we just um, ask for you to come and soften our hearts to what you're speaking, God. If you have challenge for us, Lord, would we be open to it? Um, where you're leading and where you're guiding, have your way. Um, and help us to desire to follow you. Um, Lord, would you use our gathering tonight and our time together um, to bring glory to your name, but also just to be real to us and to meet us here. Um, God, we thank you that you're present and you're with us, um, and we ask you to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. So I just have a couple, <laughs> excuse me, um, points about, about rest. Um, first one, and um, some of these points will be on the screen. The first one is that uh, rest is costly. Um, this, is, this is true, you know, what I've been saying even uh, in the last few minutes. It'd be easy to think, like, okay, this is nice to, to talk about tithing your time and resting and margin and all of that, but um, that's nice, but you just don't realize that I just can't do that. Um, so off the bat, I, I just want to recognize that it does cost something. It's costly. If that's not lost on me. I'm not saying that it doesn't cost us something. I'm not pretending like this is just an easy thing to do in our culture. Um, <coughs> excuse me, because living counterculturally um, or against the current, it always costs us something. Um, and I'll talk about this costliness throughout our time tonight. There's a story in 2 Samuel uh, 24, and I'll just kind of give you some background. Um, King David has just um, committed a really dark sin, and um, he knows it. And so he, he's been told by a prophet that he needs to ask for forgiveness, and he knows that, and he's repentant. And so he needed to, to make a sacrifice, to build an altar to God, to make atonement for the sin that he had made. And so... In 2 Samuel 24, he's, um, we see him come up to, to someone who, who owns a field and all these livestock, and he says, I need this to, to build an altar, the, your land and all of this. Um, how much do I have to pay you for it? I'll buy it from you. And the man says, you know, you're the king of Israel. You can just have it. Have all my livestock. Have the field. You can use it. And David says this really cool thing. Um, that has been really impactful for me in my walk with Jesus. In 2 Samuel 24, verse 24, David says, I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. 
I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. He knew that in order to sacrifice something to God, it had to be worth something. It had to cost him something. It wasn't going to be a cheap sacrifice. Um, you know, we focus so much, I think, on the costliness of what it takes to follow Jesus and to sacrifice for him and what he asks of us. Um, and it can often feel so inconvenient in this world that we live in to live counterculturally. And I, and I think this was true even back in David's time. It was inconvenient for him to pay as much money um, as he did thousands and thousands of dollars for this land. Um, but I truly believe that when we're in relationship with Jesus, we know fully that that costliness is beyond worth it. Um, David knew this because he knew the Lord, and he'd spent time with him. We see this throughout all of Scripture. He knew Jesus co- closely, and that doesn't mean that he didn't have his shortcomings, but he knew, he knew the Lord. And um, he knew this, and I think we know this. In order to see big transformation, it takes something. Um, it's not something that's cheap. And we live in this very quick fix, immediate satisfaction society. And I think more and more, I don't know about you guys, I'm starting to just see like that doesn't satisfy. Um, it's easy, it's convenient, but it doesn't satisfy. Because anything that's of value and anything meaningful um, really costs something. And so I'm not saying that following Jesus isn't costly, because it is. Um, and I'm not going to pretend or dupe you guys into thinking that following Jesus is just like this easy thing, because um, it's not always, but it's beyond worth it. Um, I truly believe that. And, and every day as I grow closer to Jesus, and I've been following for him for most of my life, every day as I grow closer to Jesus, I see more and more that he's worth it. Um, life with him is worth it. So one, rest is costly. Let's just get that out right off the bat. Um, but the second thing that I want to say is that rest was created for our good. Um, rest was created for our good. We see in Mark 2, verse 27, Jesus is talking to his disciples and people around, and he says that um, the Sabbath was created for people, not people for the Sabbath. Um, and what he, what he meant by that is that uh, the Sabbath in the Ten Commandments, back in Exodus, when God created this law, it wasn't about the Israelites or, or us now obeying this rule so we can show God that we're worthy of him, worthy of his love. It wasn't just about just like the rule and honoring it. He created this very practically for our good. Um, it's because God knew that we needed rest in order to function, in order to live. Uh, we see this in Exodus when God's leading his people through the wilderness, and every day he provides manna, which is just food that he, he poured out from heaven um, every single day. And he, <coughs> he tells them to pick it up every day, every morning. And on the last day, um, he'll provide enough for that day and the next day, the Sabbath, so that on the Sabbath, they can keep the Sabbath holy. And again, it's not for them just to obey the rule of the Sabbath, but it's so that they don't have to work on that day, so they don't have to put that effort into it. And we see God get kind of annoyed at them when they don't really trust him, and they go out on the Sabbath and try to pick up more food. He's saying, no, this isn't about you disobeying me. This is about, like, I did this for you. Um, I did this to care for you, and um, you're not taking that. And so we see throughout Scripture that the Sabbath was created for us, um, and it does take trusting that God's going to provide enough for us so that we can rest 
and put margin into our schedules. Um, he created work as a good thing. Uh, work is pre-fall. It is a good thing that he created, but also he created sleep because we needed it. He created fun um, because we needed it. He created relationships. He created time for quiet. We see that all throughout scripture that that is just as valuable. Um, and we need it very physically in order to function. Um, so it's not just for time to be with God. Of course, that's a huge part of it. But it's also time to recharge on our own and do things that bring us joy because that's of him too. And he knew this um, in his original design that we needed it and we couldn't function without it. That was true in ancient times, in ancient Israel. It was true 50, 100 years ago, and it's true today. That rest is for our good. And <laughs> I think in some ways, right, this is obvious. Um, you know, there's countless studies on rest, on uh, a solid eight hours of sleep, or however many, you know, we need. Um, there's, we talk about community and a need for friendship. That's not just like a Christian thought. Like, that's just scientific, right? Um, we know that we, we need sleep when our body is aching because we didn't get enough sleep, right? I mean, we've all experienced that. Half of you guys are probably experiencing that right now, right? Um, do, this is kind of sounds like a, a very Christianese or Jesus juke kind of thing to say, but do we recognize when um, our soul is aching? That's kind of like the, the 2.0 for this. Like, we know we need rest, um, but do we know we need that for our soul? And that brings me to the next point, which is that rest leads to intimacy with Jesus. Rest leads to intimacy with Jesus. When I started um, a devotional life and a habit of a devotional life, um, it was very checklisty. You know, read my Bible, uh, some prayer points, uh, take some notes, journal a little bit, move on with my day. And um, honestly, that was a fine start because it was important for me to build a habit of being in the Word of God um, and to build that up. Um, those disciplines are important, but then um, when I began this discipline of tithing my time or doing extended time with Jesus, I started to understand the importance of margin in my time with him. It wasn't just about planning out all the things um, that I had to do, like read my Bible and pray. Of course, those were all part of it, but also it became, became extravagant time with him where there was time that wasn't planned um, and scheduled outside of just having time. Um, and this is where I want to talk about this kind of idea of margin. Uh, you guys know what margin is on a paper, right? It's the, the white space around your paper. It's for teachers and professors to write notes in, to put some arrows or to make comments on what is there. And so this white space is, is intentionally put in there, like it, it's, it's planned, but whatever's written in the margin is not planned. That happens when you're reading the paper, right? So for your teacher or for you as you're taking notes, to mark up the margins. Um, this, I think, is, is so important in our own spiritual walk, leaving space empty and available for the Holy Spirit to speak. I think we're called to live our lives with margin built into it. And again, this is very countercultural. Uh, we're, we're told that if there's free space in our schedule, we've got to fill it up. Um, we must be lazy or slacking if we have any free time in our schedule. So what I'm saying here is very different than maybe what people around you are, are telling you to do. 
or what you've been told um, is valuable or productive. But for me, um, giving God margin helped me to give him um, the attention that, that I needed to give him in order to hear his voice. Uh, it gave the Holy Spirit space to write in the margins of my life. I think this is probably true for most of us, that we long for intimacy with Jesus. Um, we want to hear his voice. We want to know what he's calling us to. We want to know what's the future you have for me. Um, but do we, give him <coughs> do we give him our attention so that we can um, hear him answer those questions? And do we give him the space for that intimacy to happen? This is true for, for regular relationships with friendships, right? You know, every relationship only grows deeper by spending quality time with one another. Um, and it can't just be one way. It can't just be one person sh- sharing their life. Um, it, it has to be reciprocal. Uh, there needs to be time where there's no motives, no, no guidelines or parameters, um, just to be together. And I think this is true for our time with Jesus. Um, and not just in our own, like, quiet time in the morning, but, like, in, in the, like I said, the lifestyle of Marge, like living a life where God's allowed to speak into it at all times. Um, Margin lets us quiet ourselves and condition our hearts to hear his voice. And um, this comment seems so obvious, but how are we going to hear his voice if we don't ever um, give him time to speak? Um, or if we don't give ourselves time to listen to him speak? I find that I often ask God a whole lot of questions, and I tell him what I'm frustrated with, and I'm upset that I feel like he's distant and far off um, and he's not speaking and I say, okay, I'm going to work now. You know, like I don't give him the time to answer my questions. Um, That's what margin is for. So are we giving him the freedom to do what he wants to do? Um, And so how can we give him that, that time to speak if we've planned out every moment of our day or every moment of our schedules, every moment of our quiet time? This doesn't mean that we don't read the Bible. It doesn't mean that we don't come with prayer. Um, God speaks the most through his word. So I, I want to, like, that doesn't mean we neglect his word. But it's that question, are we living a lifestyle where he's able to speak in? Are we giving him the freedom to live um, in our lives, where he's allowed into every moment of our lives? Margin also it lets us take a break and take a breath um, to ingest what God's saying. Um, I think it's just like healthy for our spiritual life. We see this in the Psalms. Um, throughout the Psalms, you've maybe noticed the little word Selah, which is just the psalmist would write in there, it's just a pause. To, he would say something, and let's pause, let's breathe this in. Let's ingest what the Lord is speaking and what he wants to say. It gives us time to process what he's speaking. We move so fast that often I think we, we don't take time to process our relationship with him. In Exodus 31, um, we see that the Sabbath allowed God space to remember his covenant with Israel. And that's because Israel just did a whole lot of things that were just against God and made God annoyed. And, you know, and we get, we get onto the Israelites a lot, but, man, we're just like them, I think. I'm just like them, at least. Um, and the Sabbath gave God the space to, to remember, I do love them. This is why I love them. This is why I've called them. I think that's true for us even today, to remember why he loves us and for us to remember why we love him, um, to remember his promises, the things that he's spoken to us. Um, 
when he was angry with Israel, the Sabbath allowed him to remember his covenant and why he chose them. And such a huge part of this intimacy um, is it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, is the one who brings this intimacy and this relationship. So two quick examples that we see in Scripture about intimacy with the Holy Spirit. The first one we see, um, I want to look at, is in Acts 2. You don't have to turn there. I'll just kind of explain what happened. But it's when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. So Jesus had recently ascended into heaven, and his disciples and, and the apostles were all together. And this was the, the backdrop. They were just fellowshipping together. They were in a room, I would assume similar to this, sharing what God was doing, worshiping together, seeking God. They didn't have any plan uh, for the Holy Spirit to come because they'd never experienced that before. It never happened before. So they didn't come with any agenda. Um, but verses 42 and 43 says that they just devoted themselves to community, to prayer, and to worship. And they did this together, and they left margin for the Holy Spirit to move. And the Holy Spirit fell in a way that um, was unlike anything they'd ever experienced, and it totally defined the church. It's why we're here today, because of what happened that night at Pentecost. But it's because they made space for him, and they, they sought him together. Um, <coughs> they came together in community with no time limit, no agenda, no plan but to worship and to be with one another and to learn from one another. Another thing that I, I love this, this little phrase in Revelation, the book of Revelation, um, I think we sometimes get scared of because we don't really have an understanding of what it's actually about. But um, it's really just a book about this vision that uh, the Apostle John had when he was in exile on, on an island. Um, and he had these visions first for um, a set of churches and had these visions for them and was writing letters to them. Um, encouraging them and challenging them. And then there are also these visions just where he sees heaven and sees what heaven's going to be like and Jesus on his throne. And before all, any of these visions and any of these letters that he writes, in um, Revelation 1, verse 10, John is just kind of like giving some backdrop before he, he gives these letters. And he's saying, so I, you know, John uh, was on the Isle of Patmos um, and I was in the Spirit. I was in the Spirit. And I think that's such an um, important little phrase that sometimes we miss. But he was just like waiting on the Lord. He was in the Spirit. He was so in the Spirit, with the Holy Spirit in that moment that these visions came. And he saw, I mean, I'm like jealous of him. He saw what the kingdom of heaven looks like. The angels worshiping at the feet of Jesus and all of creation worshiping the King of Kings. And it's like he was transported to heaven in that moment because he was just spending time in the Spirit. And I think in both of these cases, these believers understood the importance of margin, even if they didn't call it that, right? That's like a term that we're using. But um, when it came to intimacy with Jesus, I think they understood leaving space for him. Um, and I do just want to think just for a second um, <coughs> before we move on. Have have we ever had a moment like this? And maybe you have, and I just want us to think back, like, what are those moments? Have we had moments in the Spirit um, where we've seen God move in that kind of way, where we've experienced that intimacy? So just for a second, I just want you to think back on your own spiritual memory. Like, have we had moments like this?
Um, we're going to think more about that in our response time, and we're, we're coming up to it in a few minutes. But um, now you probably won't be convinced to pay, you know, this cost of following Jesus or really even of taking care of your physical needs, you know, when it comes to rest, if Jesus isn't your reason for it. Um, and really at the core, this message is only kind of about rest. It's about Jesus. And I hope we see that. Like, rest is a byproduct uh, of hopefully relationship with Jesus. Because without him, there's no reason to even meet together like this every week on a Thursday night. Without him, there's no reason to sing these songs that we're singing. Um, there's no reason to be uh, reading an ancient text um, and believing that it comes to life when we read it. Um, there's no reason for us to be sharing vulnerably with each other. Um, there's no reason to give up. Every, there's no reason for me to be giving up everything, you know, to be here full time without Jesus. And without, without him, like none of this matters and we've missed the point. Um, if we come away from this saying, okay, these are the ways I'm going to rest better, I think we've just missed the heart of what I'm trying to get at. And so I hope that you guys are tracking with me. Um, I think that we make sacrifices for things that we think are, are worth it. Um, I don't think you guys, like, I don't think sacrifice is, like, foreign to you guys. Um, you guys are paying tens of thousands of dollars for the education that you're getting because you believe it's worth it. Um, you guys are all pulling all-nighters at the expense of your physical health and your bodies to write papers because you believe that it's worth it and it's needed. Um, or maybe a little bit more intense, you know, We've all left our families and our friends um, and our homes and comfort to be here um, because we've felt like it's worth it. Is it possible to view Jesus as even better? Is he worth sacrificing even more so than all of these things? Because we're sacrificing these things. Is Jesus worth it? Um, <coughs> and the only way we can know that he's worth it um, and worth it this much is by spending time with him, is by being in relationship with him, and that has to start somewhere. And so uh, I, the, here's where I you know, really want us to tune in. Hopefully you've been tuned in this whole time. Um, it would be sad if you weren't, but if you're going to tune in anywhere, this would be the time, because I think this is like really the application, the response is like, this is where I want us to get at. Okay, so this is like, kind of meta, right? So just track with me a little bit. Um, kind of like, um, I, I just saw Little Women um, three times, yes. Um, and it's like, you know, it's a woman who wrote a book about a woman, woman who's writing Little Women, you know, like it's just like a book within a book or whatever. And the new movie has a new ending, which makes it even more meta, meta but I'm not going to um, spoil that for you. So you can just trust me. Um, this is what I mean by this, it being meta. So I'm encouraging us to value rest and margin, right? Um, in order to value rest and margin, we need intimacy with Jesus. Like, relationship with Jesus is the only thing that's going to lead us to value rest and margin and giving him space. But we can only have intimacy with Jesus by giving him time and space and margin. You see what I'm saying? Um, 
it, it becomes this like, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Is it a whole cycle? I don't know. You know, we need to value rest. We only can really value it if we know Jesus. We can only really know Jesus if we're resting in his presence. Um, and so in order to, to be convinced to live counterculturally and to live this, you know, Jesus way that we're talking about, we need to, to have a real relationship with him. <coughs> and um, we need to know that he's worth more than anything else in the world. And the only thing that we can do to, to know that is by spending time with him and asking him to reveal himself to us in that way. And so tonight you might find yourself in, in one of these places. Um, maybe, you know, you're here and you might be in a great place where you're like, man, I'm feeling like the intimacy with Jesus and I'm close with him and um, worship is meaningful and just like relationship with Jesus, I'm just like coming to life in his presence. Like, that's amazing. Um, and I'd encourage you that there's always somewhere deeper to go um, to, to continue to seek him and to seek that and to go deeper and deeper in his presence. Maybe that's not you, and maybe um, for some of us in this room, maybe we've had those moments where um, we can look back on some spiritual memories and see and remember moments when um, we felt his presence, where we were in his presence and had that intimate relationship with him. Um, but we need Jesus to just remind us of that time and that relationship. Um, and maybe we've gotten kind of used to going through the motions of service, of church, of living culturally as a Christian. <coughs> and maybe tonight we just need to seek revival in our own hearts and to be reminded of who he is and what he has for us and to take us back to, we've been singing last semester that song, First Love Fire, to take us back to that moment, reignite that fire in us. Um, not to relive those moments or go back into our heyday or the past, but to continue to live um, a life that's close to him. And maybe we just need him to remind us of what that looks like and, and to remind us that he's the best thing. Um, and maybe that entails uh, making changes and implementing margin into our life to allow him to speak and to have that again. Um, and then for others of us, I'd venture to say that there's some of us in this room who maybe have never had this, um, never had that moment. And maybe you've never thought about that before, and you've always, you've just never had anyone ask you that. Um, maybe our faith has been one that's been out of convenience or culture or tradition. Um, we grew up this way, or um, our parents or our friends, you know, brought us here, or it's always been fun. We found good community here. Um, but maybe we've never known that Jesus is the best thing, even though we say we do. Have we ever actually known it? And um, honestly, there's no shame in asking this question. I think we're embarrassed to ask these questions because we're afraid of the answer. But I think if we're here and we don't know that we're here, um, that's dangerous because we can never go deeper in him if we don't know where we are. Yeah. So uh, I think it's important for us to, to be aware of this and to ask these questions. Have we ever had a moment with Jesus like this? Um, again, are we going through the motions? Do we know how to sing these worship songs? and come every week. Um, but have we had a moment with Jesus um, where he's been real and we, we understand that he's worth it? So maybe for you then this message is more about a challenge to seek him deeper and to seek that moment 
um, or moments like that, make, seek that relationship with him. <coughs> Maybe at this point, um, you're not convinced that he's worth it yet. Like I said at the beginning, um, you know, maybe you've never known him closely enough to, to be convinced that he's the best thing. Um, and maybe you, you don't necessarily know if you're, you're convinced that he's worth it. Um, but again, we can't really fully respond without knowing where we're at. And so um, I want us to think about this because I think it informs how we respond. And as we respond tonight, I want us to know where we're coming from as we respond. So um, before I kind of close and, and we enter a time of worship, I do want to have just um, two, about two minutes of table discussion um, just to ask this question. Like, do you find yourself in one of these three areas? Um, community is, is meant to be vulnerable and open with each other. That's why we're here. And if we're not doing this together, um, and we're just clocking in, clocking out, and, and not going anywhere from here, I think we lose the meaning. And so um, let's just spend a couple minutes at your table. We won't even come together and discuss it at large, but at your table, maybe just share with one another where you feel like you're at, and then we'll come back together um, and respond in worship. Sound good? If you feel like you still want to continue talking this, about this with, um, with your friends or with a life group leader, I encourage you even tonight to do so. And to keep thinking about, you know, where you're at, I think we can often go to um, church on Sunday or uh, weekly worship on a Thursday and come and receive for a minute and go home and leave unchanged. And so I think this time together where we process these things together is super important um, in how we bring this back um, and also how we respond in worship. And so the band can come up. Um, and we're going to get ready to respond. Tonight, it felt like, you know, it would be poor form to talk about margin and giving God extra time without giving him the time to worship him tonight and to give him space for him to speak. And so we're going to do a little bit of extended worship. Um, and then, you know, after singing a little bit, uh, I'll come up and, and do a soft close. And if people want to stick around and continue worshiping, um, the space is open for it, and there are people here to pray with you. But um, tonight, I want us to to get to a in in a place at least to start where we say, God, you can have this time, and God, if you want to speak, I'm here to listen. Um, and God, I want relationship with you. Would you meet me here? And I think that happens um, in worship. We can talk about it till we're blue in the face, but it won't matter until we do it. And margin is our way of giving the Holy Spirit space to speak and space to write into our lives and to speak what he wants to, to do, what he wants to speak. And so no matter where you're at, maybe you're at one of those three points or somewhere in between or a combination, um, tonight would we be open to exploring what the Holy Spirit might want of us? Uh, could we sacrifice these things or consider sacrificing these things with the, the off chance that Jesus is worth it? Um, that we could be getting something better. Like I said earlier, when, with my major and with journalism, I really didn't know if I'd get something better, but I took the step to risk it um, at the thought that I could be getting something better than what I had planned for my life and knowing that Jesus was going to be worth it and trusting that he was going to be worth it, even if I didn't know what that was going to look like. As I said before, um, <clears throat> 
Man, I think the Lord wants to do something if we'll let him. And he wants to do it in this room and with us if we'll let him. And I don't know what that looks like yet. I don't have any of the specifics, but man, it excites me because we get to go on this journey with him. And it could start in this room with this group of people. And I want to give him the space so that I can see it happen and be part of it. Um, Would we give him some margin tonight so that we can wake up to his presence, wake up to what he has for us, what he's doing, um, that maybe we can be part of revival and what's happening on our campuses, what's happening in this world. Um, could it start here? So God, we just open up our hearts um, to your presence. As we worship tonight, would you write in the margins, would you speak your truth? God, would you remove anything that's of me, anything that's of us, any of our plans or agendas? God, would you make this about you? Um, And this wouldn't, Lord, be about doing, but about just being with you, being in your presence. So God, we seek that. We open up our hands and say, Lord, would you have your way? Would you come meet with us? And tonight as we worship, um, we know you're in this room in our head, but God, would you help us to know in our hearts that you're here with us? God, we worship you and we seek you. In Jesus' name. Would you guys stand with us? Um, There's space in this room. You're welcome to come up. There's prayer buckets. You want to pray with someone? welcome to, but we just get to where we need to be.